goal for the Irish at the timeout. Williams, right to the right side. Powers to the end zone. Look, low snap, picked it up, takes an end zone shot, and finally, McKinley goes up and gets it, and it is a touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Golden Homers Podcast with your hosts, Mason Plummer and Nathan Erbach. What's going on, Irish fans, Golden Homer fans alike? Back on the mic with you guys today. I'm Nathan Erbach, joined as always with my co-host, uh, Mason Plummer. Big news yesterday in the world of Notre Dame athletics. Hired Micah Shrewsbury away from Penn State to be the new Notre Dame's men's basketball coach. Probably the only thing that could have overshadowed the first day of spring practice. Um, as Actually, we were going to originally record last night. We decided to do a space instead because of that. Um, you know, because of the uh, the Micro Shrewsbury news, but obviously huge stuff. But Mason, how you doing today? I know you're hopping on another thing here in the next uh, next hour or so with uh, with John of Always Irish. But uh, glad as always to to get to join with you this week. Yeah, man, um, a lot going on. You know, this is usually the you know Wednesday or Thursday is usually the day we record, and there really there wasn't a lot to talk about. I mean, spring practice. There's some cool clips, some jersey number changes we'll get into, which I kind of nerd out about, but. Uh, we knew that the basketball search was winding down, but I guess I didn't expect it to to happen in such perfect timing for us. We were able to hop on a space and not break the news, but be the first you know big space where everybody can join in and kind of share their thoughts. And we always try to do that with you guys. We love hearing everybody's thoughts. So, yeah, yesterday was awesome. I was finishing up my workout, and that helped me get through the last couple minutes of cardio with the Shrewsbury news so uh just thinking about all that stuff you're not looking at the clock on the on the treadmill anymore so then it flies by so yeah super pumped about that I think it's great for the great for the basketball program and yeah not many things can overshadow some of the exciting clips we saw yesterday from practice would have loved to be there but man um shout out to Notre Dame Media did a really good job uh, showing us what we want to see really some key guys so excited to break that down yeah in regards to Shrewsbury I mean the numbers being thrown around are seven years over 4 million, um, you know, give or take, obviously some people have said that that number is not necessarily accurate, but you know, Jeff Goodman and guys like that are pretty much as good as it gets when it comes to getting info out. So I would imagine it's at least around that number. And it shows at least from an optic standpoint that Notre Dame is, was willing to, to pay up and go get the guy that they wanted. Cause that was the report that Micah Shrewsbury, even as you know, up to, you know, a month or two ago was the guy that Schwarbrick targeted as the number one target for for Notre Dame in regards to their basketball coach. So um, the fact that they were able to get their number one guy, huge, because that's sort of been a, <laughs> a thing with, uh, with football that they don't always get their number one guy, not necessarily as a head coach, but, you know, maybe some of the other position uh, position coaches and different things like that over the last couple of years. So it was nice that basketball was able to hit on that. Um, I think it's going to be big for recruiting. Shrewsbury's known as a big-time recruiter. I think it, just in the 2023 class, he's going to bring his son and his son's friend, Logan Imes, who were both committed to Penn State and signed with Penn State. I would imagine those guys are going to be on Notre Dame's campus you know, next season. Um, obviously, going to have to hit the transfer portal hard. Um, you know, Hopefully, you can bring back a, a Don Campbell, who is in, uh, you know, who's in the portal. Make sure Lubin's happy. Keep him. Go out and get a few guys, whether they're from Penn State or other programs. I put out a list the other day, or yesterday, I should say, with guys that were targeted by Notre Dame, Penn State, or both. There's been some additions to that list since. I think your boy from uh, 
from Ball State. Uh, what is it? Peyton Sparks is now yep. is now there. So, I mean, you might be able to touch on him a little bit. But a lot of guys on that list, a lot of grad transfers mixed in with some undergrads. So you never know with the undergrads. But um, And I think Peyton Sparks is an undergrad, actually, speaking of which. So it'll be interesting to see how the uh, how the lineup and the roster looks next year. I'm not necessarily expecting them to go to like a Final Four or Elite Eight or even make the tournament necessarily. But we've... I, I forgot what podcast I was listening to. It might've been Irish illustrated today. I was sort of half listening. And I think it was Pete Sampson who said like 10 out of 11 major head coaches, like, like major programs that changed a head coach last year made the tournament. Um, I could be wrong on that, on that. I mean, cause 10 out of 11 seems kind of excessive, but the point being is, is that you can turn it around pretty quickly in basketball. So even if it's not next year, I mean, I expect Notre Dame to be competitive next year, bare minimum, and, you know, definitely competing for a tournament bid, you know, at least in the following season after that. Yeah, no doubt. I think this is the kind of hire where it doesn't need to be four or five years to build or to switch over roster, bring in the guys you need. Shrewsbury has all the ties to Indiana, whether it's IUSB, Butler, you name it, Wabash. So I was doing my research on him today, and it's kind of impressive all the ties that he has. And I've said it for a while now that you know, I follow Purdue and IU recruiting. Um, just a lot of my friends went to Purdue and Indiana. And the way that they're able to just recruit in the state, you don't need to go anywhere else. And Shrewsbury, of course, will. Notre Dame recruits nationally and football and basketball. But you know, there's a ton of in-state talent in Indiana, and I think he's going to be able to he's going to be able to go after it and go after it well. So, recruiting wasn't necessarily Mike Bray's strong suit. He liked to get guys that he knew he could build and mold to what he saw fit. And Shrewsbury should be able to get more high-profile guys and then continue to build those guys up. So, it's it's certainly really exciting. I think it's a step in the right direction for the program. Obviously, a ton of respect for what Mike Bray did and what he uh, what he built the program to be. But at the same time, you had to move on. I think he's going to be happy doing television, USF, whatever he decides to do. And then uh, I really think that Shrewsbury, this is where he wants to be. It's the right move. It's making great money. I think you tweeted out earlier, top 10 money. Everything makes sense. His roots, the money, the position, the, the landing. I, I think it's, it's just good all around, except for Penn State, I guess. Yeah, except for Penn State. That's funny. Um, you know, to your point about Mike Bray, and then we can kind of move on to some football just so we don't over talk, I guess, in regards to the basketball coach. We'd like to get maybe some more info on recruits and different things like that that come out. But you brought up Mike Bray's recruiting, and it's, you know, it's, in, it's interesting. Obviously, he did land some in state guys, specifically recently with Wesley JR, Marcus Burton, um, you know, but you go back to like Demetrius Jackson and Austin Torres, those guys came in and um, but it looked like he was starting to get a little bit better in the in-state recruiting overall. J.J. Starlin, even though he's not technically from Indiana, played at La Lu, so that was a big get as well from that area. Um, but overall, Bray, like the way I would describe his recruiting approach, it like he seemed to get, go the easy path. And I think that's kind of what you were hinting at is like if, if he knew a kid was like very interested in Notre Dame, then it was, it was a little bit easier to sell the program. And that's kind of where he tended to kind of gravitate towards, you know, every now and then he'd get out of his comfort zone. But like, for example, he was hand given to recruits, John Mooney, when, when Billy Donovan left, um, left for the NBA from Florida, Mooney was, I think committed to Florida at the time, Billy Donovan said, Hey, go get this kid. 
you know, to Mike Bray and then same with Dan Goodwin when Thad Mata was fired or whatever left Ohio state Mata called up Mike Bray and, you know, kind of got him and Dan Goodwin on the phone together and that's how they landed Dan Goodwin. So a couple of his top recruits over the last few years were hand given to him by other coaches saying, Hey, go to Notre Dame. So it wasn't like Mike Bray was going out there and, you know, and, and landing these kids and being a dog on the trail. So it's going to be nice. I think to see that, um, cause everything I've ever, you know, everything I've heard about Shrewsbury is that that's what he is. He built his reputation through the recruiting ranks at Butler at Purdue. Um, and then again, obviously, obviously at Penn state also hit the transfer portal hard, um, probably landed Penn state's best player in the last 20 years in the transfer portal over the, um, in, uh, I think it was, I think his name is Jaden Pickett. I forget what his first name is, but it's Pickett. The last name's Pickett. Um, you know, he's now, you know, ineligible going off to the NBA, doing whatever it may be, but it's going to be nice to see a guy that is an app, like kind of like a Marcus Freeman on the trail, but in the basketball sense. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's a huge step up in recruiting and it's, it's weird. The, the storylines that are the, just the parallels you can find between football and basketball and needed to be a step in the right direction. It could potentially be a win for both parties, big step up in recruiting more energy. Um, it's a step in the right direction for Notre Dame all around. And I think this is the right thing that Swarbrick needed to do. We touched on this quite a bit in the spaces yesterday was just that I don't know if it's necessarily true that Jack Swarbrick took all of the comments that everybody had about the football search personally, but what I can tell you is that he put, I mean, he, he put it on the table when it came to getting Shrewsbury and paying him top 10 money. Like that's legit money. And uh, I don't think Swarbrick, he knew he couldn't mess this up. So not saying he did or didn't. I think Shrewsbury is the right hire, but I'm just saying that Notre Dame targeted their guy and went out and got him. And I have a lot of respect for that. Yeah. In general, if he doesn't end up, you know, being a hit at Notre Dame. It wasn't for a lack of resources and stuff like that. So if you want to, you know, seven years from now, he signed a seven-year contract. So seven years from now, if they only make like one NCAA tournament and whatever, you know, and they end up firing Micah Shrewsbury or he goes on to, you know, to a different program, it wasn't going to be for a lack of Notre Dame putting it out there on the table. Like you said, it was, it would just be, it didn't work out. So um, it, it's good in that sense because sometimes it doesn't work out. Um, but I think in this case it will, and they're going to be a pretty solid program moving forward. Um, but let's talk a little football. That was, uh, you know, I know we have some people that follow us that love basketball, so it's great. But I think we, uh, <laughs> we it's, it's fair to say football is still king at Notre Dame. No doubt. Um, yesterday was the opening of spring practice. Got to see, you know, all the new guys, Sam Hartman tossing the ball around, Kenny Menchie also uh, at the freshman QB, the new wide receivers. I think Great House had a nice little clip of him jumping up in a drill. Rico Flores looks, you know, like he could play major college football right now as a true freshman. Um, any kind of early thoughts that you kind of saw? I mean, we'll get into some jersey numbers here in a second because, like you said, you're a jersey number uh, nutcase. So, uh, but any, any, uh, just from, any video clips or anything like that, or just anything you want to touch on to kind of start spring practice? Um, well, the clips were certainly impressive. I mean, Notre Dame kind of picks and chooses what they put out there, I'm sure, but I really liked what I saw. Um, there's plenty, plenty to like. I'm liking what I'm seeing from the receivers. Obviously, seeing Sam Hartman, not quite a Notre Dame jersey, I guess, but in the practice jersey and the golden helmet was awesome. I'm liking what I'm seeing from him, I, I, as I expected to. Trying to think of what else is notable. I love the jersey numbers for the most part. Tobias Merriweather, we kind of had some insight that he was going to be changing to five. It was his high school number, but became open after Wilkins left. So 
we we knew about that one. Uh, Dion Colsey in the zero, I didn't necessarily like at the beginning, but I saw him in it and it looks good. So I'll take that. Um, zeros on both sides of the ball now. Yeah, first um, time, I think. Yeah, and uh, Javante Jean-Baptiste in the one is certainly a choice for a defensive end. I don't know how I feel about that. And then I know that you weren't super ecstatic about uh, Jaden Mickey rocking the seven. You want to talk about that? I think it's just because I'm so used to seeing like a big guy in seven. I mean, I, I mean, I know Will Fuller wore seven on offense. It's a little different, but you know, seeing Foskey come off the edge wearing number seven the last couple of years, you know, I mean, I don't know, man, if, if that was Mickey's like high school number or something like that, and he wants to rock it, or that's like his favorite number, then, then, you know, then awesome. I think he's going to be a really good player for Notre Dame, even though I guess some people feel like he had a disappointing freshman season, but I think it's kind of hard to have a disappointing freshman season overall. Um, you know, and he was able to see the field and the fact that the coaching staff, you know, obviously trusted him enough to put him on the field at certain moments, you know, that's, that, that's great. So I think it was more, so it was less about like it being on Mickey and more so about like, I just was so used to it being on the defensive line over the last few, uh, over the last, you know, I mean, who, who, do you know who rocked seven before Foskey? I'm trying to think now off the top of my head. I don't, I mean, I think of two it. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. No, two, it was two at seven. I thought two was nine. Yeah, two it was nine. I think. Who wore seven? Somebody wore seven. Because that's another one. It's like number nine. It's like if I saw, if I if Mickey like switched to nine, I would have felt the same thing because I was used to seeing it on you know Jalen Smith and and two it and. um, Who am I thinking of that wore seven? Yeah, I mean maybe Will Fuller. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But like I think like Armel Mukum wore number nine in, in high school and number nine is still available. So I wonder if he takes number nine now that it's available. Um, I could see that happening. Um, that would be tough for a freshman to get number nine. I feel like that's sought after. It's just that no one has it yet. So it's like, who's gonna, you know, you'd think that they would already switch their numbers, right? Yeah, I guess I would. I mean, if I was on defense, if I was a defensive line edge rusher, that's the kind of, that's the number I would pick, but that's just me. And then Raritan has the nine on the other side, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I was at Jalen Sneed moved to three. Thought that was real like a really sexy choice by him, if I'm being honest. Um, you might yeah, be right. Fan. I think I'm looking at something right now. Did maybe two it did wear number seven? Yeah, I think either way. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you, but no, I'd like to see, I'd like to see number nine rocked by someone this year. Like you said, maybe not Armel Mukum, but I, I mean, if that's his number and no one else takes it, why not? Right. Um, KK Smith, the incoming freshman, the only wide receiver that's not, you know, on campus right now was, was rocking number one in high school. Could see him rocking number one, just kind of the style of player he is. Um, but you know, who knows? I mean, number one hasn't really been worn at Notre Dame. So I guess we don't really have the same affinity for it as we do like seven and nine and putting like a really good player in that, in those jerseys. Well, um, there was, be okay they if Smith was in it. They weren't wearing one because of Greg Bryant, right? What well, Kelly had that one rule where it was like every week, someone was number nine instead or number mm-hmm. one, like ever, like, and then he kind of stopped and then, because uh, Greg Bryant had number one, and so did uh, uh, Big or uh, Lewis Nix. Irish Chocolate. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, 
RIP to the both of them. So maybe that's why they kind of retired that number for a little bit. Cause it sort of had a little bit of a bad luck and also some honoring, you know, for those guys. Yeah, no doubt. But, you know, I like to, I try not to think about that. I, I know when I mentioned that I'd love to see number one back a few months ago on Twitter, people kind of pushed back on that and said, you know, like, no, like we don't need to do that to, to guys like, you know, Bryant and, and, uh, and Nick's, but it's like, man, it's, it's a number when it's all said and done. And right. If a I'm guy comes in and, you know, for example, like what if that was the reason I'm not saying it's a hundred percent this way, but what if like, you know, uh, Jean Baptiste, when he was considering Notre Dame, he was like, I gotta be number one. And they were like, okay, like, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, right. like, no, numbers I are a big deal to those players. Yeah. Some guys get really sentimental about number. I've always had an affinity for six. Like I wouldn't let that decide where I go to school, but for one reason or another, that's been my number. So. Right. And I'm not saying that that's why he would have came to Notre Dame or not, but it's like, what if that was like, you know, he's on campus taking his visit or whatever. And they're talking about stuff and he's like, Hey guys, like just so you know, like I want to come here, but I also really want number one. And I know you guys haven't really had anybody wearing it over the last couple of years. Is that going to be a problem? You know, I mean, right. I can see that at least being a question asked. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. I would, you know, so if, if you're going to allow someone to wear, wear number one on defense, you might as well let them wear number one on offense. Right. Right. No. Yeah. I, I like it. And a lot of guys seem to, it seems to be a popular number among uh, the athletes coming in. So, um, especially among quarterbacks, I'm not a fan of that, by the way, like Steve Angeli wearing number one in high school. I don't like that. You know what? The fact that you're crapping on Justin Fields right in front of my face right now. It looks better on him though. I don't know. <laughs> it does look pretty good. <laughs> I'm looking up best players at Notre Dame to wear number seven, Joe Theismann, obviously big right there. I knew that. Yeah. Um, didn't was Claus was Claus in number seven. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, some good, some good quarterbacks, obviously. Um, let's see here. Yeah. Clausen's on this list. Will Fuller, of course, have we mentioned Stefan to it? Yeah. Stefan, I think I, you're right. You, you hit the, you hit, you hit it on to it. Um, I think you were nine with the Steelers. Yeah, that might've been it. That might've been it. But I, I mean, I know like Smith moved to nine and then like Dalen Hayes wore number nine. So like, that's another big one. Like you'd like to see that kind of stay with like a, not only a good player, but you know, a defensive lineman or a linebacker. Like if Sneed would have moved to number nine, that would have been kind of cool too. He moved to three, right? Yeah. He moved to three. I like that. Tyson Ford moved from like 98 to 95, nothing crazy there, but you know, maybe he's just a guy that made 90. I don't even know if 95 was used last year, but maybe it was just a number that got that he really wanted that he couldn't have for whatever reason last year. I forget who had it. 90s are gross. I'm trying to think of numbers that are out there right now from, I mean, outside of, I mean, 50, 57, but that's not like, I mean, I know it was Jason out of Malola, but that one's not like anything crazy. I don't care who has that necessarily. Yeah. Could see Brennan Vernon rocking that he wore number 40, 47 in high school. So, and I think Jason Anya is 47 right now. So you put 57 on, on Brennan Vernon, that'd look pretty nice. Kind of keep that tradition going. Right. Um, we're talking a lot about numbers here, man. It, it's the best. I love it. <laughs> I was even, I went down a rabbit hole a few, a few weeks ago of like finding out even the guys that are committed in the 2024 class and what their high school numbers are. Mm-hmm. And like right now, like I'll be like CJ Carr number 13. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and assume that that's like a big number for him. So he's going to want it. 
um, just because quarterbacks seem to get whatever number they want, even in high school. Speaking of that, Minshew looks good in the eight. Yeah, I like Minshew. He wore 14 in high school, I think, but Braylon James has 14 for Notre Dame. Um, like Jaden Greyhouse was number nine in high school, so he took 19 because number nine's with Raritan, obviously. So I wonder if that was like, you know, some sort of bargaining thing. He tried to get number nine and, and Raritan wouldn't give it up. Can we talk about uh, Greathouse helmet? Like not, like, I don't know if it was all of his hair. He's like, the helmet's like barely fitting his head. I don't think I saw that. I don't think I saw <laughs> that. I know he's got the, the locks, so I'm not surprised. Yeah, it just looks like it doesn't fit. Like we need to we need to talk to somebody in the equipment room or what? Yeah, for sure. Um, and then what was it? Is Logan Diggs' helmet you and like Danny Cunningham don't like? Yeah, he's got the he's got the stormtrooper. I see. I, I when you guys showed me that, maybe the video is just too quick, but I just didn't really see much of a difference with his helmet and other people's helmets, so it just didn't bother me. I think I'd have to like see like a snapshot of it. You know, like the helmet that like CJ Stroud wears, like or Zeke Elliott, it's that one. It has like the visor that covers half the helmet. Okay, so it's just the fact that there's a visor. No, there's no bars on the face mask either. Got it. So that's what it is. It it it's the visor with no bars. Right, and okay. the visor like wraps. Yeah, it's it's a monstrosity. It looks like a stormtrooper. Got it. Okay. Yeah, maybe I'll have to see a little bit more of a snap a snapshot of it. But I guess like I guess I've never really noticed it with. Zeke and Stroud like where it bothers me so maybe aesthetically it just doesn't bother me as much as it bothers you guys I don't know and I don't know why I picked out two Ohio State guys but those are the two that stand out that I know where it so um but yeah getting back to some of the numbers CJ Carr like I mean Jabron Payne I think has 13 right now I think that's probably a pretty easy number to grab if you want probably especially if Payne doesn't see the field this year I mean obviously I was gonna say I don't like talking about transfers, but who knows? He could be gone. But even if he's not, you know, moving to a different number, probably nothing crazy there. Um, or he can keep the tradition and get like maybe go with number 10 if he doesn't really care as much. He can go to number 10, like kind of how, you know, you got Quinn and now Hartman, Drew Pine, if you want to include yeah, him right. in that list. Uh, but 10 is a popular, a pretty popular uh, jersey number for QBs. Um, who else was there was a I, like Cam Williams? I like I'm sure he's gonna get whatever number he wants when he comes in. Couple guys, will, couple guys will get like you know, you, there's just those guys that get like the pick of the number that they want for sure. Yeah. Um anything else from like, how about this? Are you looking at anything? Not that we haven't seen, but like what are kind of like your bigger storylines for spring practice? What are you really looking to? You know, what do you defensive want? line? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Defensive so like line. In two weeks or after the 15 practices, like, yeah, like you, what do you want to hear? I want to hear that John Baptiste looks like a monster. I need to hear something about Batello or Mills. One of those two has to step up, preferably both. Um, I want to see a jump from one of one of the new sophomores. So whether that's uh whether that's Burnham, Gobera, somebody needs to make a move. Trying to think what else. I'd like to see something out of Tyson Ford. Just give me good news on the defensive line, and I would be ecstatic. So I think that – I mean, we're so used to that just being a position that's really good for Notre Dame, and it. Uh, I'm not saying it won't be. I just think that there's a lot of young talent that's just unproven right now, and they're yeah. going to get their chances. It's just will they take them, and are they ready to make a huge step up? Like, I don't feel great about relying on Vitello to be, like, the sack guy, but you look at, the like, the underlying numbers, and he's – his numbers are good when he's had the opportunity. He just 
for one reason or another, whether it's a guy in front of him that's just better or if it's down to, um, you know, some stuff off the field or if he's just not practicing the right way where we we just need to see him be consistent. Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Botello's got to – it's got to be uh, – th- this is the year for him. It can't just be where he has that complimentary role. You know, it's it's hard to count on, you know, three other dudes to to step up. He's got to be the dude to, you know, sort of be your double-digit sack guy this year um, or or damn near close. So, um, you know, I like that you mentioned Gobira and, and Burnham, guys like that um, who have a chance to sort of step up. Obviously, ever you know, most people who follow us know, you know, my infatuation with Gobira. I think he can be a really good player. Did you did you happen to listen to Marcus Freeman's press conference yesterday? I did yesterday during my lunch. Yeah. Did you notice that Gobira was like the first guy he mentioned when he was talking when they were talking about you know guys that could step up in a pass yeah. rushing role? Yeah, so, I'm. Uh, I was a little bit surprised by that. I guess not because I don't think he's good, but I don't think that he's necessarily the first name I would have thought of, but yeah, we don't really hear about those guys. Well, yeah, you don't necessarily hear about him right away. And I wasn't expecting him to be the first name, but I mean, it's a good thing. He's top of mind because I mean, Freeman was a little bit frazzled. Like they were asking about guys like in the pit that are getting treatment or whatever. And he was just like, give me a name and I'll tell you, he could just couldn't think of the guys off the top of his head. I mean, memorizing 9,500 dudes and every, every situation they have going on has got to be a little bit difficult, but the fact that he knows Gobira's name off the top of his head. I mean, that's the guy Freeman recruited, right? I think, yeah, that was his first class. I don't know if he – he might have been com- – I don't know, man. He might have been committed to Clark Lee and then just stayed on board. I forget. Because what, they're going to be sophomores. He knows a lot about They're going to be sophomores, right? about that. What's that? They're going to be – he's a rising sophomore. Yeah. So, no, I mean, that, that would have been – I mean, even if he was committed to Clark Lee – Freeman was still his guy for a long, you know, a, a year before he signed. So I, I, right. I think he probably committed to Freeman if I just, if I had to guess off the top of my head. Right. And have you seen any pictures of Gobira? I know that he needed to add some size. He was definitely a little bit thin. No, I haven't. I haven't. Um, one thing I found interesting is it seems like they don't view him as a Viper. They view him as more of a strong side guy. He definitely and, needs to get bigger then. Well, I know like it sounds that way, right? Like strong side versus, you know, versus Viper. You usually have a guy that's a little bit lighter at Viper who can run a little bit and a guy on the, you know, the the strong side guy can, you know, the fact that Riley Mills kind of moved over to that and, you know, Myron Tagalamosa moved into that as well. I mean, you could have a beefier guy there. Um, but at the same time, like listening to the coaches speak about it, they say that they're they're a they're kind of interchangeable, but they're not, it's not about the size. It's about like the skill set on the player, and so maybe they just view Gobira as like a a guy that's he's. I mean, even though he's a good athlete, he's not someone that's going to drop back in coverage and go, and cover a tight end or something like that. He's more of just a hand in the ground, rush the quarterback type of player, which is fine. I mean, that's kind of what we want out of him anyway, right? Um, so I don't know. I don't know. The one other thing I found interesting about the press conference, though, is that Freeman didn't mention Joshua Burnham. He ended up listing a bunch of those sophomores or going to be sophomores, even like Anya, who's going to be a junior. Like he mentioned those guys. He did. He, like the one guy he left off was Joshua Burnham. 
again, don't like don't like to read too much into that, but I found that interesting as well. No, that is interesting for sure. And I, I mean, I don't want to read too much into it. Like it could be something and it could be nothing, but um, it's, I would say it's notable. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that's, it's just like those little things. Like when I'm watching the press conferences, I try to like think about that just to see if it means anything and, you know, come season time or come end of spring, if we're all of a sudden hearing go Byra's name and not Burnham's name as like a guy that's really emerged, then maybe it meant something. Um, the other thing I was going to point out was um well first of all like it you mentioned the defensive line obviously we just talked about it a little bit what would be your ideal like starting line going into going into dublin well let's just say you're starting you're starting front seven are we are we saying four down like a four three or a three four yeah let's say four down linemen and three linebackers so it'd be uh, JJB, Mills, Ford. I don't care who the – I don't know who the Viper would be. Uh, 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 Botello. Okay. Hey, oh, so you and said then, John – you said uh, Baptiste on the yeah. other side? Okay. Yep. And then as far as far as the linebackers, I would love to see Sneed start. I don't think he's going to. Ky- some Some sort of combination of – Kaiser, Bertrand. Will Junior start? I think Junior's a Viper, man. Full time, you think? So who would be the third linebacker? I mean, they have everybody back, right? So Bertrand, yeah. Kaiser, and Leofau technically could be the start. They'll, they'll I don't want Leofau to be start. the starters going into Dublin. I don't want Leofau to start, but he probably will. It'd be, I mean, the only thing with Leofau is that he was so explosive before that injury, and that's the type of injury that sometimes takes a full year to, like, see full, like, full, like, burst and strength and all that kind of stuff, like, previous burst and strength. So I'm very – I'm intrigued by that to see. Like, that'd be, like, a spring thing for me. Like, if, he, if, if he's looking much healthier and just faster and more athletic – in in these spring practices versus what he what it was towards the end of last season that would be a big sign for me you know that he's a guy that is you know more you know he's fully healthy and obviously he he is you know he's jacked up he's a he's a he's a guy that if he can reach his potential you know it's sort of through the roof at least the college level right so um people hate Bertrand because he's (laughs) I hate to say it but because he's a, a white guy that's not crazy fast but I I tend to think that he you know, he's always in the right place. I think he makes tackles. He's obviously led their team in tackles the last two seasons or whatever it is. So I think he's, and regardless of what Notre Dame fans think about him, he's going to be a starter, right? So it's it's kind of one of those things like you just stop thinking about it because it's not going to change. Um, but it would be nice just from a, like what you were saying, like what you want to hear after spring after spring practice. If you heard like Collie and Snead and Ziegler and guys like that are sort of pushing for time, that's a big thing because I do think the Notre Dame staff really likes their linebacking core more so than the fans do. Yeah. I would like that a lot. And, and as you were talking there, I was kind of thinking about Collie and this would be his third year. Like you'd like to see him make a push and yeah. really challenge or overtake a Bertrand or a Kaiser. So I think he has all the talent in the world and can be super explosive. And to be honest, I'd love to see him, even if Kaiser and Bertrand are always gap, correct assignment, correct, whatever. I want to see somebody that's explosive and will destroy somebody like Collie. 
And maybe that's just like the fan in me that's not like the super X and O's guy. But right. um, and this is the third year for Kyle, and I thought maybe he would play a lot as a freshman, and we just haven't seen it yet. Well, and that's also a situation where if Collie did end up starting, it's only a good thing because that means he did overtake a Kaiser and a Bertrand, which who the staff do like, or a right. for that matter. I mean, so if if you're rolling, if Collie's a starter for you week one, that's to me, that just means good things. It means and it's probably unlikely, but they have to find a role for Collie at some point. Collie and Sneed, really. Yeah, definitely. And and different types of roles. Collie's probably more of your Mike or or your Will. And then in Sneed's case, he's probably more of your rover. Um bare bare minimum, you gotta find some sort of niche role where it's goal line. And those guys are getting 15 snaps a game somehow, like to where it's consistent and not a you know, oh, like we played them, you know, seven snaps this week, but then next week, even without injuries, we're playing them 30, 38 snaps, right? I'd like to see a very consistent, like, hey, these guys are playing 20 snaps a game because then it keeps them engaged. And it means that it's right. probably not going to transfer out because the good thing is, is that even with Cauley being a, a junior right now or going into his junior year, Bertrand, Kaiser, and Leofau are probably not back next season, or at least not all three of them. I think Bertrand's out of eligibility. I think Thank Kaiser, God. I think Kaiser's the same. Leofau might have another year because of COVID and the injury that he sustained. Um, but you'd like to see Leofau have a really good season where maybe he can go off to the NFL or something like that. Um, or, or if he doesn't have a great season, then certainly, you know, maybe he's back, but then, you know, if, if people are down on him still, then Snead and Colley and, Ziggler and then Osbury and guys like that are, you know, Osbury, Drake Bowen are going to be sophomores at that point. Are they going to be playing? Are they going to be pushing for playing time? So um, we'll certainly be interesting in that regard. Yeah. I mean, there's no lack of talent at the linebacker position. I think part of it, even I'm guilty of is I'm tired. Like you get tired of seeing the same guys. You're so used to like rotation. You get excited about the young players and you've seen Bertrand and Kaiser out there for the last, feels like seven years and you want to see the young guys play. Um, so I, I get that and probably it does probably have to do with them being like white linebackers or whatever it is, but, um, I'm certainly super excited for Collie and Sneed. If, I mean, I would love to see them both get significant playing time and I don't know how likely that is, but we both know that they're super talented and super athletic, but even a guy like Jeremiah Wusakoromoa, it took a while for him to figure it out and then yeah, he start he really exploded. Or whatever. You're right. And then he really exploded. So Coming out of camp, I'd love to hear that Snead and Collie are just insane. Well, and then, like, I know, like, other people have mentioned, like, oh, like, who's going to be the Benjamin Morrison this year of camp? Or or I, mean, I think Benjamin Morrison technically came in in the summer, which made it even There isn't more. one every year. There, he's well, different. Well, what I was going to get at is, it's like, does it have to be a freshman? You know what I mean? Like, Benjamin Morrison oh, yeah. freaked the fact that he came in as a – in the summer and was a stud from the get-go at Notre Dame – but like we mentioned a few guys, but like imagine if like Gobira is like the Benjamin Morrison of ne- of this coming season. I'm okay with that. That's a red shirt freshman. And if he's the Benjamin Morrison, that means he's probably, you know, accumulating eight, nine sacks this next year, which would be a big, big boost to what Notre Dame thought they had or what fans thought they have or whatever it may be. So right, that's kind of what I was going to get into is like a Benjamin Morrison doesn't necessarily have to be Oh, okay. A true freshman came in and pushed for playing time. Like, no, I want to see Tyson Ford, Gobira, Burnham, Ziggler, um, Sneed, 
you know, I mean, even like Drake, I mean, if it is a freshman, Drake Bowen, Jaden Osbury, Christian Gray, you know, the, the freshman wide receivers, like, but like it could, it Tobias Merriweather, I mean, Tobias Merriweather is not a freshman, but it could be guys like that that haven't really seen a whole lot of playing time. I would love to see just someone pop off in that regard. And that's where I think you see maybe more of a, okay, that's a realistic goal. Yeah. And I'm, I'm already, now that you said that I'm already like pre worried about people being weirdos. Like are these, these freshmen are horrible. Like um, nobody's starting as a freshman, like Benjamin Morrison, like those things, those don't happen every year. And it takes a couple of years, but I feel like because that happened, it becomes like the expectation. Uh, you forget about what freshmen are really supposed to be. Most don't even touch the field. You're lucky to get your, like your complete four game red shirt anymore. So, um, I mean, yeah, I'd, you'd be lucky to see guys touch the field. But on that note, I'm getting pumped for the blue and gold game. I will be in attendance. Awesome. Yeah. I probably won't. That's the start of baseball season for me. So I don't know. I'll be able to make it out, but loser. I know. I know. Got to do my job. Right. <laughs> I guess. But, uh, but awesome. Yeah. We rambled on for a little bit, got to kind of talk a little bit off, off, uh, you know, off script a little bit and just kind of share some of our thoughts early on, but uh, wanted to get on the mic. Like I said, just cause with everything going on and the Shrewsbury news and Notre Dame football starting up and now recruiting is starting to amp up. Hopefully next week on our podcast, we'll be able to talk a little bit more about that, but um, as always follow us at golden homers. I'm Nathan Erbach. He's Mason Plummer. Follow me at Nathan underscore Erbach. Follow him at Mason Plummer underscore. Have a great day guys and go Irish. The Golden Homers are a proud sponsor of Homes for Troops, a publicly funded 501c3 nonprofit organization that builds and donates specially adapted custom homes nationwide for severely injured post-9-11 veterans. Since its inception in 2004, nearly 90 cents out of every dollar spent has gone directly to our program services for veterans. Visit at hfotusa.org. Thank you.